It is now 11 minutes after 4 o'clock in conversation next with Matthew Parks, who is Kosatu's parliament coordinator. Kosatu calling on President Cyril Ramaphosa to sign the General Laws Amendment Bill into law urgently. The bill was recently passed in parliament and seeks to strengthen South Africa's anti-money laundering and terrorism financing regulatory framework. Kosatu says the passing of the bill is a necessary step to avoid grey listing by the Financial Action Task Force. However, it is concerned about the delays. Matthew, good afternoon and thank you so much for making time for us. Let's start off there. Um, what potential risk does the country run if there is a further delay? Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. So as Kosato, we've been long concerned about this issue and we're pleased that Parliament move with speed to pass it. Um, in simple terms for workers, for ordinary members of the public and the economy, um, if we don't get the bill signed into law quickly um, before February, then we risk it the chance of South Africa's um, economy being greylisted by the United Nations. Um, that basically means that you know, investment funds, pension funds, uh, companies across the world, many of them will not be able to invest in South Africa. Um, and that will have a huge impact upon local jobs, local companies, that growing the economy and so forth. But we think we've managed to avoid that danger because the main, uh, most difficult you know, part of the, of the journey has been concluded. That Parliament um, had the bill, they've amended it, um, they've passed it, they've taken into account you know, submissions from COSATU, from civil society to strengthen it here and there. It shouldn't be too difficult for the president to sign it. Um, it's now December, he would normally take about a month to sign it, you know, allowing for his legal team just to peruse it and make sure they're comfortable, that his provisions are constitutional, and we think they are. Um, of course, the more difficult part, once the president has signed it and we revert the great listing, is the task of implementing it, making sure government departments are fully capacitated to ensure its implementation, making sure the banking sector also is fully up to date on around their requirements and their, their roles they must play as well, you know, banking workers and so forth. But we're pleased that um, we've managed to move with speed on it. It is very short timeframes. And we're also quite pleased as Kosato that when he makes submissions to Parliament around the need to strengthen the bill to require a full transparency and disclosure on who owns which companies, um, who owns trust, so that you don't have a situation where I can just make up a name, you know, call it the Red House Company, and put under some, you know, vague trust, because that's critical if we want to prevent the issues of money laundering. And we've seen as workers, we have a real problem of corruption society, um, and there's been real consequences. You know, public servants not getting wage increases, municipal workers not getting paid, workers in SOEs being retrenched, uh, the state being robbed of billions of rands, which could have could have been invested in the economy to provide public services, etc. And I think also you remember that we had had um, some weaknesses in South Africa where some international terrorists, money laundering, corrupt people have chosen South Africa to come because I thought there were some gaps in our laws. So I think this also is going to help block that because you don't want to be known as a, as a haven for criminals or for terrorists or for, or for corrupt elements internationally. Do you think that the president will be able to sign this bill into law, um, considering that tight deadline as well? We're confident he will. Um, I think that he would appreciate that the seriousness of this issue, and this is not just the legislation, this comes from the United Nations Security Council, so it's a matter that the whole world has been seized with. Uh, You wouldn't want to be seen as the outlier in a global community which is increasingly integrated. And I think the president has often been seized with the issue of the economy, so I think he'd be very sensitive to it. I think you'd also be appreciative that, well, this bill has gone through cabinet, so he chaired over that. Um, but I think you'd also appreciate the tight timeframes that everybody has had to work on under, from Treasury mm-hmm. to both houses of parliament to trade unions, civil society who participate in the parliamentary processes. So I think I'm confident he would do so, as long as he can do so by January. Yeah.
um, that gives time for Treasury to promulgate it, and then it's done by February. Of course, it's not the end of the road, but that's a key hurdle that we would have concluded mm. definitely. So, so the horse has bolted already. Um, we 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 were late um, in even starting this process. Parliament was late in this process as well, um, and now the report, literally, the bill is being is being pushed through to make sure that we meet that deadline. But the concern that some opposition parties have raised is perhaps some of the unintended consequences, um, also on the basis that there wasn't a socio-economic impact assessment that was done. Yeah, but those concerns are legitimate. And I think um, for all members of par- uh, parliament, from the ANC, from the opposition, raised concerns. Uh, we raised concerns, Kosato Civil Society raised concerns. Um, it is unfortunate, and it's not just the issue of treasury. Often you find government departments take long to bring bills to parliament. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not saying you must rush this thing because, as you say, you must always kind of think about the unintended consequences. You must look at the social economic impact. But this is a matter of tight time pressures. Parliament did its role. Um, the bill came to parliament, you know, about three months ago, roughly, and they expedited it. But at the same time, the Standing Committee of Finance and the National Assembly actually extended public comments on it when civil society raised their concerns about the rush time frames. Um, we had raised concerns. Cosato and those were included in the bill, so they were made amendments to it. So it wasn't just a tick box, but it was a substantive process. Um, they also addressed many of the concerns of NGOs as well, so it's positive. But the NCP also had extensive engagement with, with the public, uh, albeit under the tight timeframes. I think what happens, what helped Parliament is that um, one of the members are very focused on the issue. I think across party lines, they appreciated the need to work collectively as a nation on it. And of course, it helps that Parliament is now usually virtual, so they can move at much greater speed on issues and not kind of hamstrung by logistics. But it's not ideal, because normally it takes about five years for laws to go from a desk in Pretoria in a department through Parliament, public consultation, to the President, etc. And we've done it in a very sh- in a third of that uh, time frame. <clears throat> so you, you don't want to rush things because, as you say, unintended consequences. But in this regard, um, we were late as a nation, uh, government specifically. We've had now to kind of make up for lost time. But you know, f- thankfully, we have done that. And this final stretch of the road is a fairly simple one of the President simply signing it and being promulgated in the government because those are fairly simple administrative issues. Okay. Just quickly, um, the news that just broke that Andre de Reiter has resigned as Kosato, what do you make of that? Okay, well, you know, we're hearing for the first time now. Mm. Look, our concern about ESCOM is that it is our greatest national economic asset. Um, I think we appreciate the pressure that the Reiter has been under. Um, we know many people have been frustrated that we have not addressed, turned the corner of load shedding. We've been concerned before about constant chopping and changing of CEOs. You know, in the previous decade, we had about 10 CEOs, one a year. That doesn't help to bring stability to the most critical economic asset in the country. Um, if he has resigned, you know, that, that's individual's choice. We must respect that. Uh, but I think what will be critical now if he has resigned is that for government to move the speed for, to appoint a new CEO, uh, meeting the various criteria, etc., because um, we simply don't have time. So mm-hmm. we need to find a new person who can hit the ground running, uh, because from the issues of ramping up maintenance, investing new generation, tackling corruption, wasteful expenditure, um, building labor market stability at ESCOM, um, building a sense of confidence in the public and communicating with the public the roadmap to ending load shedding, to rebuilding ESCOM. Yeah. Those are very uh, at the heart of our economic recovery, so we don't have the luxury of time. We hope that government will move with great speed and appoint someone um, if he's resigned. But it's unfortunate um, because we had wanted to have a, a period of stability, but one can appreciate that any person would find that position 
at times, you know, quite a heavy burden and it may want to exit mm-hmm. at a certain stage. And, but and, I think for us, it's about focusing on yeah. forward now. And just quickly, Matthew, what, what I think about is what should the approach be now? Of course, you have a new board that is that is put in place. Um, you have Andre de Reiter, who has resigned. Then you have Jan Oberholzer, who is the chief operating officer. He said he's retiring next year, I think in April, if I'm not mistaken. So you have two vacancies in that C-suite. Very important positions at that. Yeah, if I'm right, um, Oberholz is resigning, retiring sorry, this year. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the, your point is right. Um, we can't afford any instability. We can't afford a, a vacuum. Uh, I don't know the details of direct resignation, but I would assume it's not an immediate one, but that they'd be given, I would assume, um, and one would hope that there's space for a transition that you could, you know, doesn't, you're not going to appoint a CEO tomorrow. You're going to have to go through a process. You're going to have to do interviews. You might even have to head to headhunt, given the importance of the job. Um, you have to do recommendations to cabinet, etc. So it's not going to be a five-minute operation. It might take three months or so to find somebody. So one would hope there is a handover, and even when the person is appointed, there would need to be a, a smooth handover to show that person is up to date with what's going on, what's the plans, what are the gaps, and what are what are the focal points. But it's something we'd be keen to watch as COSATU, um, given the importance to workers across the economy. Um, but I think also we're pleased with the new ESCOM board, which includes a representative um, from workers. Um, to begin to rebuild, again, our most critical economic asset that the whole economy depends upon. Thank you so much for your time. That is Matthew Parks, who is the parliamentary coordinator of uh, COSATU. 0614-104-107, taking your voice notes, your calls on 86 and you can also tweet at Aldrin St. Pierre.